Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. Times get tougher, even if they don't. Today is October the 19th, 2020, and this is episode 2740 of the Survival Podcast. Except that it's totally not. It's 2755 is the episode number today. That's what I get for cutting and pasting and editing titles as I set up the show notes today and then just reading them off without thinking. Like, that can't be right. It isn't. It is a Monday, though, and it is the 19th of October, 2020, as we dial into the final furlough into Ass Clown Circus 2020, uh, at least the voting day circus. I predict this will go on for a little bit longer, and we will talk a little bit about some politics and the Ass Clown Circus today. I got a couple questions there, and I thought, you know what, I'll do it. I'll, I'll talk about it. This is not a political show. I think a lot of people find a show called The Survival Podcast that also talks about agorism and uh, libertarianism and uh, self-sufficiency, self-reliance, independence, homesteading, and they expect it to kind of come from a right-wing perspective, at least on some level. And I don't get political. I did a little bit in the early days of the show. That's 12 years ago for new listeners. But there is some stuff we'll talk about today. Before we do that, though, we're going to talk about our quote of the day. We have a great one coming from Oscar Wilde. Then we'll have, yes, I'm going to talk about, I, I got a question, a very sincere question. Basically, I know you don't want to do this, but would you do it anyway? Okay, and I've gotten this question a, a few times. Is there anything good you have to say about Donald Trump? Like, it would seem that there are some things, no matter what this guy has said or how he's behaved like, from a policy perspective, that you would find like a good thing. There are. I'll give you a few of them, and it's not all of them. I think Trump's policies have largely been better than just about any president in my lifetime. I, I'm still not getting involved with politics. It does. It's not good enough. But I'll say what's good is good. I did for and, and the person that asked me this question said you did it for Obama, and I know you really didn't like him. So can you? I said yeah, okay, fine, we'll do that. Uh, and then I got a question. I actually got a bunch of questions in the past couple months. Everybody wants me to give uh, some time to Joe Jorgensen who is the, if you haven't heard of her, she's the Libertarian candidate for president. I'm going to do a very short segment today called Why I Don't Care About Joe Jorgensen and Will Never Care About Any LP POTUS Candidate Ever, Never, Ever, Ever, Ever. They didn't say it that many times in the show notes, but it just felt like a moment to do that. Uh, then we go on to some things that are more practical in your life, like what do you do instead of butter for lactose intolerant people? There's actually quite a few options. Yeah, the implosion of retail real estate is a megatrend, and that is part of my forecast for rough times ahead. That's that's another megatrend coming. I'm actually going to – I realize I did four megatrends in the articles, and then I didn't tell you what the other four were, and I stopped writing the articles because I got really busy, and it just didn't seem like the best use of my time. I'm going to give you the other four. So I'll, I'll give you the full list of eight, and maybe I'll get my ass into writing mode again and finish up these articles. Though that may wait for the winter shutdown, because I'm really busy. I mean, I'm getting ready for a workshop. But yeah, I'll tell you the, the eight full megatrends that spell doomsday in the midterm of the economy. I think all these things actually lead eventually to a rebuilt economy, but boy... Transitions and flux and disruptions can be really, really bad, and we are in a 
worse state to deal with them than we were a year ago because of COVID stupidity. Um, next, why the COVID hysteria is about to be ramped up and why you should mostly ignore it, as I've said over and over again. And I'll give you, again, my nutritional supplement regimen for COVID mitigation. I wouldn't say prevention or treatment, but mitigation. Uh, how to deal with a GFIC that keeps tripping uh, that a freezer is plugged into, because that can be not good. Uh, greener play areas apparently boost immunity. I, I just wonder why anybody's even surprised. We'll talk about that. Stripe is giving employees a $20,000 bonus to relocate. The, 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 the trade-off is you get a pay cut after you relocate, and I don't know that they're being very public about exactly what that pay cut looks like. I'll tell you why I might, might probably take that deal. Uh, the leftist-run cities are in full meltdown now. One more time, get out. We'll talk about one of the latest things to come out of Seattle, and it's not riots, and it's not buildings burning down. It's the state of homelessness and why this is only the beginning of it getting even worse because nobody wants to do anything to fix it because they like the problem because they can talk about it and blame other people for it while their own city rots. Get out. And then I got a little segment here also wrapping up. You know, you guys want to talk about politics? Fine, I'll throw a little bit about there. Ask Clown Circus 2020. The bodies will continue to hit the floor, but will anybody care? I've been saying on social media, I haven't really said it on the show much, but I've been saying on social media, specifically before I left Facebook, Facebook, and then Parler and MeWe, the bodies will hit the floor more and more as we get close to Election Day. I've started that little side campaign, I guess, back in June. People didn't believe me. Well, here it is. Do you really think that that laptop with Hunter Biden's crap on it just now was leaked? Do you really think you've seen the worst of it? Do you know that Nancy Pelosi's son seems to be implicated in deals with oil and gas companies in Ukraine as well? Do you know that it's going to keep coming? But will anybody care? I'm going to tell you why most people don't care, won't care, never will care, and will still back their, their thief of choice for whatever office it's involved in. I'll tell you about the reaction where you know if you've become immune to this or not. Even if you've convinced yourself you have, you probably haven't if you're engaged in politics because politics requires that you pick a side, and once you pick a side, you will justify anything your side does because the other side you've convinced yourself is so bad. Anyway, we'll do all of that today. Before we do, let's hear from our sponsors today. Sponsor day number one today is ButcherBox.com. I love ButcherBox. How can you not love a company that once a month sends me a giant box of meat to my front door. And you too can get a giant box of meat to your front door. There's a couple things I want to talk about with ButcherBox today. Number one, if you are an MSB member, you get $10 off every box for entire your ever, forever. Okay, number two, if there's a special that you should be able to get and they tell you you can't get it, email me and Daniel will probably help you out. Daniel's my contact there. Maybe. It depends on, on whether or not it is open to existing members or whatever. Okay? But we have that deal of that $10 off. But here's the thing. I've said, you know, like it's basically free bacon for life. And people are calling the CSR and saying, hey, can you give it to me as free bacon? It's your $10. You do whatever you want to with it. You can just pay $10 less or get $10 more stuff. It's up to you. It's just a credit, just so you know. Anyway, they have some of the best pastured pork, pastured poultry, and grass-fed beef you will ever get your hands on. Some really great... Uh, items uh, as well uh, uh, from seafood stuff that's been coming out lately. The scallops are just fantastic. Uh, and they're selling 
uh, pastured turkey right now, I believe, for Thanksgiving. So that's another thing to take, take a look at. If you have an account right now, if you have time before your next box, you might want to you know, get your turkey from Butcher Box. And I'll tell you what, they saved a lot of people's bacon, pun intended, during COVID when they weren't taking new customers. They are taking new customers down. You can learn more at ButcherBox.com. Uh, next up, Backwoods Home Magazine. Easiest company to endorse I've ever endorsed ever in my entire existence. Why? Because I was a customer of theirs for almost 20 years. Almost, not quite. Almost 20 years before they asked me to endorse them. Do you know how easy that is? To be like, will you endorse this? Uh, okay, sure. They are just a, a fantastic publication. And for anybody that's still making a living today <coughs> with a hard copy publication, a periodical, you got to be doing it right. This is not 1988 anymore, right? I mean, there everything you could want to read about is online. There's movies and videos and everything, all available mostly for free. For somebody to have a paid publication that ships to your front door, they got to do it right, and Backwoods Home does. Check them out today at BackwoodsHome.com. With that, let's start digging into uh, today's show, meat and potatoes, so to say. Um, this is going to be Oscar Wilde week. It's going to be two, two weeks in one. How does that work? Well, I, I'm going to have a theme for you this week in, in, in two different places. One at the beginning of the show in the quotes of the day. We're going to be doing five really great Oscar Wilde quotes, uh, one of the, the great minds of all time, in my opinion, uh, really a great thinker. And then we are also going to have, I know a lot of you have been waiting for it. You knew it was coming. The timing had to be right. Uh, but Eddie Van Halen passed away a little bit ago. And uh, we will be doing the tribute week to Van Halen this week with five great Van Halen songs and some of the lesser played ones, because we like to do that here. So let's start off with Oscar Wilde's week kickoff. This was my quote of the day today. This is, uh, this is so in line with what I always say about making the most of your dash. Wilde once said, to live is the rarest thing in the world. Most people exist. That is all. You know... It is one of those things that you, you will come in time to profoundly regret if you live as someone who simply exists and you don't actively, actively participate in life. That doesn't mean you need to be doing, you know, quote unquote, great things for humanity. You don't need to be, you know, an Elon Musk or, you know, a modern day John Galt or anything like, or some sort of in like modern day Thomas Edison or, you know, Tesla who actually invented stuff. You, you don't have to be one of those people. To be, go beyond existing. But so many people, I, I, I described this, and I, I really didn't understand what I was describing. I described this as a young man right after I got out of the Army. And I went back to Pennsylvania. I took my walk through the woods. For those that don't know, I walked from Pennsylvania to New Hampshire on the Appalachian Trail, the dissection hike, kind of getting my shit back together as a civilian. I was only just barely 21 years old when I decided, after I came back from that walk, I got to get out of here. And I had so many people ask me, why? Why did you feel such a need? And I, I don't mean in this audience or anything like that. This, this is you know, 30 years ago now. I mean, as a young man, I had people that knew me, friends and elderly people who were kind of you know mentors to me, great uncles and things like that that I've talked about in the past. And they all would ask me why I wanted to leave so badly. And the way I put it, as gently as I could, because some of these people I really did care about, is it just seems to me around here that what everybody does is try to find any kind of a job that will basically pay the bills, and none of them pay that great. But there are some decent ones, like working in an aluminum factory, like my great-uncle Pete did. 
And then if you do that long enough, you can get off swing shift and get on a straight shift where your life is not all disrupted and maybe become a floor supervisor and make a little bit better money. And then they just stay there for 20 or 30 or 40 years until they retire. They buy whatever they can afford for housing, which is never that great. And then they kind of move in that house and they just sit there. And basically, I just feel like everybody around here is just waiting to die. And no one I said that to had a response that was anything that would counter that belief. Everybody kind of looked around at it and went, well, you know, that's what people do. And I just thought, that's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to go keep climbing, you know, rock formations. I'm going to go, I'm going to go keep walking in the woods. I'm going to keep, you know, and Pete and was very big in hunting and fishing, but you would realize that like, it wasn't like people really did it out of pure love. It was just kind of like, eh, it's this weekend. I'll just go fishing. They really didn't seem to have joy in their lives. And I think what I was looking at at that point was the end of a time when people did. People had surrendered at that point. This is the mid-80s, late 80s and into early 90s period that I lived in this place. And I would listen to my grandfather talk about the way things used to be. And I would watch as everybody talked about the way things used to be, including people that hadn't been alive long enough to know about how the way things used to be. And it seemed like everybody was waiting for it to come back instead of bringing it back. And now that place is turned into one of those places in the Northeast that has just been destroyed by heroin. My understanding from people I still know there, you can't walk down the street in Pottsville, Pennsylvania without seeing somebody buying or using heroin. It's impossible. It can't be avoided. And I think to myself so many times, of all the stupid shit you did in your life and all the mistakes you made, the one thing you did right is you got out. And there's going to come to a point today, we're going to talk about getting out of certain cities. Totally different reasons now. But there are places that have transformed in such a way that for a time there is no redemption. That doesn't mean there's never redemption, but for a time there's nothing even approaching it. And much like the addict himself, things must hit rock bottom. And then a decision is made to come up from rock bottom. But unlike the movies, not everybody that hits the bottom ever comes back. And some of these places won't. But it's up to you. Will you do the rarest thing in the world, according to Oscar, Oscar Wilde, to truly live rather than just exist? All right, with that, let's talk about Trump's policies. Okay, fine, yes, I will answer this once and once. And if, if you've been waiting for it, if you've been waiting for me to cheer on the Orange Man or talk about the Orange Man has done good, save this one because it won't happen again anytime soon. I don't really dig into this world much, but I am an honest man and a pragmatist. Donald Trump, some of you are about to hit the floor. Donald Trump is the best president we have had in my lifetime. In my opinion, from a, from a standpoint of the things he's done. Number one, courts. Courts, I will absolutely give it to the man. He is not just Supreme Court, but he has posted judges who tend to be literalist and textualist to the Constitution. I have actually a lot of things in the Constitution that are not restrictive enough against government. I am not 
a constitutional uh, worshiper like many people are. But I do think that our government should follow their own rules. There's enough abuse that can take place in our country that is constitutional that violating it seems like spiking the football on a dead guy, right? And and so the the court appointments that he has made have been spot on, and I'm not just, again, not just SCOTUS, I'm talking about hundreds of federal judges that he's done a great job with. Number two, Middle Eastern policy, including now nominated two or three times for Nobel Peace Prizes for peace treaties uh, between Arab nations and Israel. Uh, If a Democrat had done this, there would literally be like they would have like choirs of angels singing behind the the talking heads as they told you how wonderful it was and how it transformed the world. That would be overselling it for sure. But the uh, the imposition or the way these people are acting as though like this is meaningless is stupid beyond words, and it shows their bias is disgusting. Number three, exposing the media blatantly. I, I think that's been. Fantastic! It's it's been his number one thing that he's done for me is is and I'll, I'll lump in with exposing the media, triggering like the social justice woke assholes, like all that triggering and people having mental shutdowns and all that's just been entertaining, and then to have the media so exposed now is 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 just wonderful. Uh, tax policy, the Trump tax policy was. Is, is probably why this country is not in complete economic oblivion with all the COVID stupidity. It, it strengthened us so much economically that we've been able to stand this storm far better. That doesn't mean we did it great, but better than you would ever have expected. I have a lot more money in my pocket and my bank account because of Donald Trump's tax policy alone. There were... And, and, and restoring federalism by not letting these states tax the ever-loving balls off of people under the guise of, well, now you can deduct it from your federal income tax with the SALT limit and then doubling the standard deduction. Almost everybody that actually pays taxes on any meaningful level got a, a tax cut of a significant amount. under the So the Trump tax policy is another place that I would say he's done great. Space program. You do have to give credit, because I'll give credit to people I hate, in case you haven't figured that out yet. You do have to give credit to Barack Obama for initiating the, the programs that we're going forward with now, bringing in private companies and reestablishing a, a, a program toward getting people on the moon and a moon base. And the media will tell you that and as though Trump should get no credit for this whatsoever. The policies and the program that Obama put in place as they dismantled the space shuttle program and really gutted NASA, which, you know, big government types, you, you, to get away with gutting government programs, especially the one really good one we have, which is NASA. Um, not that I'm not for the privatization of a lot of this, but gutting NASA and cutting massive amounts out of the budget, and I'm talking about if you take the private money, and the public money and put it together. So when I say, okay, it's all public money and it's all stolen money, just to be clear, but what I'm saying is the total amount of money going into the budget for the space program, both to NASA proper and into private contractors, was cut dramatically by the Obama administration. And this was kind of like, we'll just say we're doing this, and they really didn't put the gas, the, the gas pedal down on it. Trump put the gas pedal down, 
it is highly likely that by 2024, a United States woman will step foot on the moon. And why more is not being said about that by Trump, I don't know. But as a, a child of the 70s and 80s that watched, you know, as a little kid, I was a kid that would drink Tang and sit in an easy chair and, and rock back and pretend I was a freaking astronaut and I wanted to go to the moon to bring moon rocks back to give to my grandma to make freaking earrings out of. That was my I wanted to be an astronaut. And anybody that was from that time period that had that, it was a very common dream of young boys, right? And I'm sure girls too, but definitely young boys. We played astronaut and shit like that when we were like five years old. We couldn't see as little kids what was really happening until you really kind of let the concept of what the space shuttle was sink in as a kid. Oh, we just fly in a circle around the planet and come back down and we're not going to the moon anymore. We watched that whole dream of, of deep space exploration fall apart, not really understanding how linked it was to the almost complete tragedy of Apollo 13. So I, I think seeing the space program rejuvenated is massive. Do we need a space force? That's debatable, um, but it's certainly part of this whole thing. And so I, I would prefer that we not have stolen money do anything, but if you're going to steal the money anyway, I'd like to see it do good things, and I think space exploration is a good thing for all of us. Um, I, I, I know somebody like, we'll talk about the bad things. What about the bump stock man? Blah, blah, blah. I agree. Yeah, there's, oh, I could go on with all kinds of bad shit, but that wasn't the question. When I answered this question about Barack Obama seven years ago now, I didn't go into all the bad shit. I talked about the good things. There are things the Trump administration has done that have altered the course of the world for the better. And anybody that can't admit that is going to be in the, the group on the left side that we will talk about later in the show today about the bodies hitting the floor and nobody caring. And so we'll save it for that. There's more. There's more good, but that's it. That's all I got time for today. Ask Clown Circus. We're going to talk about it a couple times today, a couple different ways. And then we're going back to productive shit that actually affects you that you control. And so I'll, I'll end this segment with, I know I'm going to get emails, and you, you might as well not because I'm going to answer it right now. With all that good stuff you said about Trump, and you would expect that none of it would come from Biden, and I do expect that almost none of it would come from Biden, why won't you vote for Trump? Because I don't vote. Period. Because I don't practice things just for the sake of catharsis. Because my vote won't count and won't matter in the coming election. So I'm not going to go do a fruitless exercise that will contribute nothing to the result that will be determined in complete places other and apart from the state of Texas. This whole nonsense that the Democrats said about, we're going to make a play for Texas. The Democrats are spending more money in Nebraska than they are in Texas. They know they're not winning Texas. It's not happening. Texas is off the table for them. Every single person I would vote for, if I voted, if I took this line of reasoning and said, you know, I would take the right over the left when it comes to many things in government, it's already going to win. So I don't participate in things that don't actually change things and then convince myself that I did something. That's why. So on that note, talk about not changing anything. I got an email from somebody that says, the final question remains, who is Joe Jorgensen? 
and all this stuff about how important this really is, and I'm not going to name this person or pick on this person because I've gotten plenty of these. You know, if people like you, Jack, would just tell people about Joe Jorison, we might be able to make a real change. No, you won't. No, you won't. No, you won't. No, you won't. If every single person that listens to this show said, Dah, the hell with Jack, since he said Joe Jorison's good, even though he doesn't vote, I'm going to vote, and all 250,000 people on average on a daily basis who listen to this show went out and voted for Joe Jorgensen, it would translate to not making this square root of F all indifference to society, other than it would if it more than likely take away votes from the orange man. I think most people that would become a Joe Jorison voter, if they're voters, and if they would vote without a libertarian candidate in the election and had to pick between Trump and Biden, would pick Trump. So if anybody's going to siphon votes away from the orange man, it might be Joe Jorgensen. Well, that influences the election. Okay, so that Biden can win? Maybe? I don't know. Here's the thing. I just said I don't participate in things that don't change anything in my life or the lives of other people because that is the definition of wasted energy. Okay, Joe Jorgensen will have no impact on this election. And if you ask somebody who knows who she is now, who she is in two years, they will not remember her. By the way, who's her VP candidate? A lot of you people, now some of you know, but a lot of people trumpeting this don't even know who her VP candidate is. Would I say that uh, Joe Jorgensen would be a good president? I don't know. I haven't looked. She's a libertarian. Okay, you can be an incompetent libertarian. I don't know that she's competent. I don't care because it's not going to matter, so why would I put my energy into it? You see how that works? Like, there are things in this world that we convince ourselves are important, and then we take time and energy and money, and we put effort into those things, and that time, effort, and energy could have went to something that we could actually use to make our lives better. And I don't think pushing a string in the wind while somebody pisses on you is productive. And I would say that supporting the libertarian candidate for president is about that important. It's about that effective. It doesn't matter if she's a wonderful person. It doesn't matter if she's incredibly articulate. wouldn't matter to me if she was you know, better than Ron Paul ever could have been. Still doesn't matter. Still isn't going to change anything. And if it did... It would change things probably to the worst by siphoning votes away from the orange man. Because right now, if you're going to vote, and you're going to vote for Biden, I'm wondering if you have mental illness or some sort of damage to your brain, or if I can just explain it away with my segment later. Because the man is a complete train wreck, and you're literally... The only way I think that it makes sense for anybody to vote for Biden is if the person's actually a socialist that wanted Bernie Sanders, who really believes that Joe is going to be completely controlled by the radical left, which is, of course, the argument against him that the conservatives are making, which may or may not be the case. I'm not sure. I'll tell you, before we move on from this segment, if I were going to debate Joe Biden and I was Donald Trump, my zinger would be, Joe, I would just like you to look into the camera and be straight with the American people who are supporting you, the moderate left and the extreme left, and I'd like you to tell them honestly which, which of those two groups you're going to screw over when you become president. Because you're promising the complete socialist agenda right on your website. Maybe you should go read it, 
since you say you're not, because it's all there in black and white on your own website. Somebody wrote it for you. It's there. And you're also, as you speak, promising the moderate left to do the things that they want that are in direct opposition to what the radical left wants. You're promising to get rid of fracking and to keep fracking. And there's a hundred other places you're doing the same thing. So you can't do that, and you can't please both sides. So which side are you going to screw over? And now go ahead and give an answer that's not an answer to the actual question. Something that begins with, I guess, come on, man. That would be my zinger. And that's what I think is going on there. So anyway, let's move on. Joe Jorgensen is not going to influence the election and not take up any more of my time or your time through this broadcast. And if you're angry about that, it's okay. But you have to explain to me, if I'm ever going to talk about this or any LP candidate ever again, right? how this one or the next one you want me to talk about is actually going to influence anything. Because it's not. Anyway, let's move on from there. I got a really interesting question I thought here today, a nutritional one. This comes from Matt. Matt says, if margarine, if not margarine, then what and why? Details, our six-month-old son had a lactose intolerance issues since birth, which we know because our last son is three years old, has the same issues. My wife and 11-year-old daughter also have dairy issues, but they can use dairy. Lactose pills circumvent the ill effects. My wife has resigned to the fact she is now has to use non-dairy products in cooking since baby can get ill effects through her breast milk. I know you always harp on margarine, but what else is there, and what can we use for cooking and spreads? Uh, if is a question better suited to expert counsel, feel free to send it to them. I think I can help you with this one, Matt. Okay, so let's start off with um, cooking, because cooking's way easier. So if you want to cook and you want a good fat to cook in that's not butter, ghee. But Jack, ghee is butter. Ghee is clarified butter with all the milk solids removed. So you can use ghee because there ain't no lactose in ghee. That would be one. And by the way, it's a much better cooking fat than butter is. It's absolutely a much better cooking fat than butter is because it has a higher smoke point. It doesn't burn. It doesn't scorch. The other would be lard. Lard is a great, or you know, you want to be really healthy, organic lard. Great cooking fat. Bacon grease, kind of sort of lard smoky. All three of those fantastic things to cook in. If you're going to cook with a plant-based oil, probably coconut oil is one of the better ones to look at. If you're going to use an oil that is more of the things that we generally wouldn't use, but it's probably the best of the bad, I would say peanut oil. And I would use not too much of it. And then I would use things like um, olive oil, etc., either for low, lower temperature sautéing or in salads and things. The, the the best use of olive oil to me is generally cook your food in whatever and then, you know, a tablespoon or so of it at the very end after the heat is killed because olive oil is best not heated to high temperatures, period, for taste, for flavor, and for nutrition. So this is just not difficult. You didn't say whether you guys are doing keto or not, but one of the things that you'll find if you're doing keto is you, your use of butter will go down other than for cooking. And and then if you start using ghee, you'll be like, why would I use butter over ghee? Because butter's not that great without the bread to wrap around. The, you know, you're not going to sit down and eat a stick of butter. Now, I use butter a lot in cooking. And I use it a lot Well, I'll make a compound butter and put it on top of steaks and things like that because I like that nutty flavor that butter gets, but... I, I, it, 
I would miss it, but it wouldn't be difficult to not have around. As far as spreads, this is some something that I'm not really sure exactly the best answer for you. I would say you might look up like how to make schmaltz. And schmaltz is something that's come out of the Jewish community, as far as I know anyway. Um, but it's made with chicken fat. And my grandmother used to make it. My grandmother wasn't Jewish, but uh, she was Ukrainian Catholic. And there's kind of a... My family in our very ancient past is actually Jewish. And we actually... The best records we can find as to what happened to our clan, so to say, was they were basically pushed out of Poland in the early 1600s as an anti-Semitism thing and, and went through Romania into Ukraine. And somehow a lot of the Jewish tradition remained in my family, even though uh, the family was incredibly devoutly Ukrainian Catholic. And you can look up what that means if you want to for yourself. Um, Anyway, so schmaltz would be something you could look at. Uh, I, I think it depends on what, what you really want. I would also say this about like your wife and as far as breastfeeding your child and she has to stay off. If she wants to eat margarine, I, I think it's a bad thing. But if you want it, this is not forever, right? I don't know how long your wife plans to breastfeed, but it, it seems to me that there'll be a point at which... Um, she is going to stop, and then she can go back to using, you know, lac lactate or lactose pills or whatever, and enjoying some dairy again. And so this is not a huge tragedy. But if anybody has any ideas for spreads that are delicious and free of lactose, I also wanted to tell you, you don't have to give up butter. Mm, it's true. There is a lactose-free butter option. I have a link in the show notes today, and it says lactose-free butter option. I dropped my zip code on their website to say, like, is this something you can actually get? And if there's a Whole Foods near you, they seem to have it at every Whole Foods location, a few other locations. But I had to go no further than eight miles from my house to obtain this. Now, how much it costs, I didn't look up or anything. Uh, it might be more expensive, but it is a butter that is free of lactose. That's the claim, anyway. I can't tell you if it's good or not, but, hey... If you just need it when you need it, there it is. But I would go towards, for cooking, ghee. I've never made any sort of a spread from ghee, but I can't see that it would be too terrible. Especially like uh, maybe a garlic infusion of ghee or like a black pepper, garlic, and rosemary infusion in ghee. That might be a really good spread. I've just never made a spread with ghee because well, I don't do a lot of spreading Uh, and I don't have the issue, so when I'm going to, I just use butter. Uh, next up, Nicole Sauce sent me an article, and you can read it if you want to, but um, it, it basically states that kind of the next economic catastrophe that's about to befall us is commercial real estate driven by empty retail outlets. I completely agree. I've been talking about the implosion of retail real estate for a long time. It is one of my megatrends. And what I pro the big thing I wanted to do today is I realized I'd never have given you my full uh, list of, of eight megatrends. So trend one was real estate. But when I was speaking of real estate in trend one, I'm talking about your typical uh, real estate, your residential real estate, and your commercial from the standpoint of like landlord 
uh, held real estate properties, multifamily, single family, uh, small multifamily, all of that, and the exodus from the cities, etc., and how that would compound that. Um, part two, we talked about primary and secondary education, people not realizing that K-12 education is the single largest employer, if we look at it as an industry, in the country. And it is in deep, deep dog shit. The, the third megatrend is secondary education. I'm, I'm sorry, um, post-secondary education. So that's college, university, trade schools, etc. And that's in deep shit. And now finally, I, I put the articles out months ago. I'm sorry I haven't done the other four. But I put the articles out months ago. And finally, everybody's starting to really admit now how bad that's in trouble. And it will implode harder and faster than K-12 because it is far more of an optional thing. It's far less propped up by government systems. The next part was uh, automation and how automation will affect employment. John Pugliano wrote that article because I thought he was better to write it than me because it's kind of his thing, and he's been on that for years. He even wrote a book called The Robots Are Coming. And so those are the four I've given you. Here's the four additional ones. Municipal defaults, largely driven by real estate implosions of multiple kinds. Um, but I've been on municipal defaults as a problem since 2009. That's the earliest show I can find where I talked about municipal defaults. And I think you're going to find massive municipal defaults. And right now, all this pork that Nancy Pelosi wants to jam into the next COVID stimulus bill, it's all designed to try to stave off these municipal defaults. It's designed to bail out these cities that are totally effed. And it won't even do it. It will just slow it down a little bit. Uh, next is the one we're talking about today, retail implosion. It's retail apocalypse, guys. And again, COVID accelerated all this. This was all coming anyway. Most people don't really like to go to stores. Stores suck. I mean, you go to stores because you have to or you need to. There are some people that kind of shop for sport. Most of them are females. Not all of them. I don't want to get any hateful emails in response to that. But, you know, most people don't really enjoy the, the shopping experience. And the more people are able to get everything they want, the less they're going to rely on retail outlets. And the more we develop technologies that make people more and more comfortable making decisions without physically seeing something, because that's why people still go to retail, largely. I want to actually see this thing and hold it. I want to know how big it is. I want to feel it, right? And, and we're developing more and more technologies that allow, if you can buy a diamond online and be confident, then you can buy just about anything online and be confident. So retail implosion, and that's what this article about today is. And then the next one is another one I've talked about a lot. And it's the electric economy disruption. We are moving away from fossil fuels. I know the, the Green New Deal is a terrible thing and it's going to destroy everything and cow farts are going to go away because we're going to all have to eat beans or whatever. Um, one of the things that you need to understand in recognizing trends is when politicians start talking about they're going to do something and it actually is a radical transformation, they're not going to do it. It's going to happen and they're going to claim that they did it. If you go way back, here I'm going to pull out a brain cell that I managed to not kill between then and now, to the um, election between Mitt Romney and Barack Obama. That is a while ago, isn't it? Mitt Romney kept stating we were going to have American energy independence, and then he would kind of backfill that with North American energy independence. 
meeting between Canada, the United States, and Mexico, we would achieve this. And, of course, we did. Mostly under Barack Obama, who didn't do anything to make it happen any quicker, for sure. If anything, he did some things that would slow it down, and yet it still mostly occurred. And by the time Trump became president, it was a very short walk to truly being independent for energy as a nation. We are, we are energy independent right now. And not just because a recession has made us need less. Now, that doesn't mean we don't import oil because, well, we have stupid policies when it comes to energy. We don't need to import a drop of oil or an ounce of gas right now. We are energy independent. Not because politicians did really smart things, because that was already going to happen. That's why they started saying they were going to do it, because they already knew that it was going to happen. All this talk about moving to, to solar, electric, battery, all this shit, is only being talked about because it's already happening. If you look up Tony Seba's Clean Disruption, you can see a timeline for this. I think Seba might be a little aggressive on the timeline, but it's coming. And so you might think, well, actually, Jack, isn't that a good thing? Uh, eventually, eventually. But you can't transition like this without a lot of pain. Without a lot of pain. And a lot of screw-ups because the government is going to insist on being involved with it. The only thing that they need to do right now so that we transition to a far more electric-based economy is stay out of the way. But you know they can't. So the electric economic disruption is coming. And number eight, and this is one that's really bad for human beings as a whole on planet Earth, the global currency reset. Something else I've been talking about for a very long time. And let me tell you right now what they're doing. They're talking about this thing with FedCoin. And all the people in the crypto space are so myopic in the crypto space, they can't see the solution that the Fed has to implement FedCoin right in front of their faces. So here's the objection that I hear all the time in the crypto space when they talk about FedCoin and what a terrible thing it is, as to what's going to make it take longer than it really they would like it to, to get adoption of FedCoin. Well, most people in the world don't know anything about how to set up a crypto wallet. They wouldn't understand how to set up a crypto wallet. They don't know how it works. Uh, they don't trust it. So there's no way that the Fed can say, hey, all 340 million Americans, you need to set up a crypto wallet so we can start paying you. Now, honestly, if they just did that, and they said go to getyourfedwallet.com uh, or something like that, uh, probably about 100 million people, if they could build a website without screwing it up, uh, would have uh, that, that, that wallet set up and wait for their money uh, almost instantly. And the rest would get on it pretty quickly afterwards because this country is very money motivated, especially when it's handout money, uh, which is part of what makes it so dangerous because it will be a great mechanism of control. But there's no need for that. Let me describe to you two technologies where people get a wallet set up for them with no understanding whatsoever about what a wallet is. And they have it and there's money going in and out of it if they choose to use it or not. Uh, depending on which one it is. The first one would be Cointext, put together by our friend Vin Armani. So Vin Armani's a decent coder. He's pretty good, technically. Uh, but he's not the guy that I would like, if I, if I needed somebody to break into the Federal Reserve Bank uh, computer system as a hacker, that I would go to, right? He's not that guy. He's an okay coder. And I'm sure he's got some help, and he's, he's paid some people to do part of the coding for him. But he built a program called Cointext. You can check it out. It's really cool, by the way. And it, this is not new. I mean... I met Vin, well, I met him before this, but I met him again in New Hampshire a couple, three years ago when he had just come out with Cointext. 
And he's like, hey, what's your cell phone number? He's like, here, I'm just going to... And he just texted me like $5 worth of Bitcoin cash. I, I didn't set up a wallet. I had the money. It was mine, and I could text it to somebody else. It was that fast. Now, for that to work, there is a wallet. And the technology sets up the wallet in the background. And it attaches it to your phone number. Keep that in mind. Uh, more recently, we had the CEO of Library, LBRY.TV, Uh, and the new kind of face of the library platform, Odyssey, which is the, the true competitor with YouTube, uh, O-D-Y-S-E-E.com, that you should be on, absolutely. And one of the really cool things about Odyssey Library is that it is cryptocurrency and blockchain driven. So when you go watch a video by Jack Spirico and you're like, you know what, I really appreciate Jack putting that video out. I'd like to give him something. You can give me, you know, Five library tokens, which is like uh, 10 cents or something like that. And you can contribute that to me. Now, if you have a library or Odyssey account, if you have one, you have both. So when you set up one, another one's set up, it's mirrored. You might be like, well, how do I set up my library wallet? You don't have to. It's there. And just by watching videos and sharing videos and stuff like that, you'll earn a little bit of it. And then if you don't want to actually use it for anything for yourself, you can use it as ways to tip people, or some people even build e-courses with library videos and sell them for library tokens. So there's a whole economy running there, and basically your account is tied to your email, and your wallet is tied to your account, and when you set up that account, bazinga bazanga, your wallet was set up, and you have a wallet, whether you need it or not, whether you want it or not, and it works, and it receives money, whether you're aware of it or not, if you're simply active on library or Odyssey. So why do you think that anything would be that complicated for the Federal Reserve to do this? Everybody in America, not everybody, most people in America, especially any people that would be on the receiving end of monies like this, most people have dun, 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 a bank account. Your bank account, much like your phone number, is a unique number. There are many numbers like it, but this one is yours, right? Without it, you are useless, and without it, you are useless, right? Like, you're, it's, it's like, it's unique, like the serial number of a gun. So what stops the federal government from telling all their bank lock, like he's to do whatever the hell they're told to do because they're dependent on the Fed to get their money, right? You need to implement, here it is, the, the Fed coin wallet system. Dump this into your database so that every single account number has a representative wallet against it, and so they're connected together. Now, this might seem like a massive, massive, massive undertaking because all these platforms are different. All these bank platforms, all, no, they're not. Now, the customer service website that you log into for your bank versus my bank might look different. It might be individually managed and all. But the back-end way that money transfers between one bank account and another, it's already the same. It's already the same. It's, a, it's, a, it's already the same. So all they have to do is basically install a wallet against every single bank account number, and boom, it's done. Does that mean it'll be completely seamless and flawless? No, but there's nothing that prevents them from doing it. So, so that's the global currency reset. So this is all coming. But yes, retail implosion will be something that is really evident in the next six months. It's already evident, but like it's going to be... You're going to hear more and more about it. Again, there's an article if you want to look at it today in the show notes where they're starting to talk about it. But 
This is nothing new to you if you've been around a while with the Survival Podcast. But I will try to get the other four articles written. I want all eight of them done by the end of the year so that as this all transpires in 2021, 2022, and people are like, you didn't say that, I can be like, here it is. That's, that's the main reason I'm doing it, just because nobody wants to go back and listen to thousands of podcasts to, to prove you're right or wrong. Next up, I just want to go quick here. Quick here. Expect, especially in the next three to four weeks as we come up to Ask Clown Circus Day, the hysteria around COVID will be whipped into something you haven't seen since like March, April, when we still didn't really understand what it was. You know, the, the meme with the, the, uh, the picture from, uh, from the Nickelback video, look at this, look at this photograph. And there's somebody who made it said, look at this COVID graph, right? Every 30 seconds on the media, wait for that to come back. And complete hysteria starting all over again. Like, we don't know what the long-term effects are. Even healthy people are at risk. Like, all of it is like recycle 101. It is mostly due, mostly due to the, the coming election. The media is all in on Biden. That's If, if you disagree with that, you're just, I, I can't help you. You know, the media is all in on getting Joe Biden elected. And they believe that this helps Biden. And it probably does. But it's, it's, it's mostly hype, and regardless, you should mostly ignore it. Because what we're seeing right now is more cases, less deaths. And I know you think that's been the case, but like it's even more the case now. And this is the logical progression of an illness like this and the parts of policy that are sensible. First, masks are not helping. They're not. There is a study out of, I think it's the Netherlands. It's somewhere in Europe. And the lead author on the study, who announced they were doing it months ago, and that it was done a couple months ago, has been asked, when will it be published? And his response is, whenever a journal has the courage to publish it. Because it's done, and it's ready, but no one will publish it. Now you can guess why. Because the results are not what they want. They want to keep everybody masked. They want all the hysteria going. They want control. They want this uh, placebo. That's what the mask is. It's like a placebo. It's like a it's like a plague talisman, right? Uh, so that's not helping. But what we do have that is helping is a better understanding that the primary at risk population is enfeebled elderly that are mostly in some sort of care facility. That is the worst place for this to happen. And the numbers with all of those people backed out are half and the new numbers are half of that and half of the next. And what I'm saying is people that were really susceptible to this, like I said would happen in March, got it first and either did or didn't die from it. Every person that gets it is developing immunity. This is all stuff they won't tell you on TV. About 50% of people have solid innate immunity to this in the form of killer T-cells from prior infections of coronaviruses that are not COVID-19, but coronaviruses are very, very similar through the whole family. And if you've had a, a, a good, nasty coronavirus-driven cold versus a, a rhinovirus-driven cold, then you have most likely significant lifetime innate immunity. This doesn't mean you can't get it at all. This means that you are going to have incredible resistance to the virus's ability to replicate in your body. The, all the antibody talk that they're, they're about, you know, these, these COVID antibodies. A COVID antibody can only kill COVID while it's in the bloodstream. Once it's attached to your own cell 
and infecting your cell, it can't get at it. It, you, it takes a T cell, a white blood cell, that will come eat your own cell. This is, I'm not going to get a cytokine storm and all, but that's why we get there uh, with this. That's what happens is there's a latent immunoresponse, and then when it kicks in, it attacks everything. That's the people that end up in really, really bad shape. If you have this innate immunity, then even if you get an infection and it begins to colonize your cells, your T cells kick in and take it down really, really quick. Then you add to it the therapeutics that they've developed, something else Trump's done. A good, Trump has done as good a job as anybody could have done for COVID. I'll add that to my list for him. And I know you're going to flip your shit now, some of you. But in the end, as a politician, as someone has to cover their ass, he's done a good, a, as good a job as anybody could have done, including doing a lot of things that weren't necessary that we thought might have been necessary, like making five gazillion respirators. We basically had doctors respirating people to death with respirators. They would have been better off without a respirator. Neither here nor there. But it's all going to get ramped up because of this, and this is what you should do. One, if you haven't learned from this experience and bulked up on your preps, bulk up on your preps because we're in a lull right now where most things are easy to get again. There's a high probability there will be more shortages in the next month. How long after that? I don't know. It depends on what kind of hysteria takes place and, 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 and clown show around the, the giant clown circus election. But they're going to ramp it up, and it doesn't matter if it's not as dangerous as they say, as long as the sheep will believe it is and all run and panic and hide in toilet paper forts and buy all the shit again. Okay? It shouldn't be as bad because cause, cause people got through it, and so they're going to be less likely to freak out. But expect it to happen. But the biggest thing I think you can do is be on the nutritional program that I developed. It's been reviewed by countless doctors, and I'm going to give you the short, short, short version of it today. These are all the things that I take, and I'm going to give you what I take, how much I take, and I'm going to tell you, you don't do this shit without verifying with your doctor that it's safe for you to do, and I'm not recommending these dosages, and the vitamin D dosage I'm going to give you is considered very high. I'm going to give you three books to read on vitamin D, and I suggest you do your own resource research, but my understanding is no one on the vitamin D dose that I'm on has actually ever had a problem from it, right? People that have said they did were taking far more or were using something like drops. Don't use drops because what's a drop when it comes to a dose? All right, here we go. Um, number one, I take Quisertin. Quisertin is an ionophore for zinc, much like hydroxychloroquine. It's also a powerful antiviral. Yes, it's in elderberries. No, you cannot take elderberry and get enough Quisertin for it to really matter. Um, you need... The, the concentrated, uh, isolated component to it. I have all the brands that I recommend in the show notes that if you want to look them up, look with certain. I take, there are 250 milligram capsules. I take two in the morning and two in the evening with zinc. Okay? That is a maximum safe long-duration dose for certain. If you take much more than that, you can start put a load on your kidneys and even your liver because anything has to be processed. I am fine with a dosage of 250 milligrams twice a day. I was already on that higher dose in conjunction with my healthcare provider before this ever started. So I just simply kept doing it. But I would be taking at least 250 milligrams of concertin twice a day. And I would be doing that in conjunction with zinc. And I have a zinc brand, a zinc picolinate I recommend. This idea that some people give you that with cold and flu season you should be using zinc lozenges as though like it running down your throat, like whatever, that might make your throat feel better. To, to make this work, 
You need zinc inside your cells, which means you need to ingest zinc, period. And as long as you're ingesting zinc in conjunction with an ionophore, you're going to put zinc inside the cells. I don't want to get deep into that today. I've talked about it a lot in the past. There's a tremendous amount of research went into this. But the quercetin and zinc together get the zinc in the cell. That is the same ionophore process that hydroxychloroquine does, though it has some other things that it does that I do believe work. Next, D3. I have stopped using a D3 and K combo pill because I want some more flexibility. And if you read the books that I recommend, you'll find out why. I don't want to go deep into it today. Again, I don't want the show to go too long. But I take, here it goes, 30,000 I use of vitamin D a day. And uh, every doctor that listens to this show just had their mouth drop and had a heart attack. And they're going to email me and tell me I'm going to die. Except they can't find anybody that ever did that that ever had a problem. I'm sorry, you can't. You can try, but you will fail. You'll find numbers in somewhere near 60,000 I use, double. Uh, but I recommend that you read, at minimum, a book called The Optimal Dose by Joseph Summerlin, MD, uh, on vitamin D. And that was the number he came up with, and I am on that number. And I do recommend you have your D levels tested. Let me say one thing about this shit when people are like, well, the maximum you're supposed to take is... A thousand IUs, according to the government. If you take a thousand IUs of vitamin D every day for the rest of your life, it will not move your blood serum level of vitamin D one point. It won't do it. It's not enough. It won't do it. You might as well not do it at all. Uh, it is generally recognized to save up to 10,000 IUs. That's even by the doctors that freak out when you say 10,000. If they actually do their own research, they'll find out that that's the case. So that's a minimum level dose that I think anybody can take and be okay with. One of the big things that we need to include with D3, uh, D3 is K2. And I have found that some people, when they're taking K2, there's, there's two main variants of K2. There's an MK4 and an MK7, that the MK7 has caused some people to have some abnormal heart rhythms when taking in larger doses than you would be when you're taking it in conjunction with D3. All of the D3, K2 combo supplements that I have found not only contain more K2 than I think you need, but they also have the MK7 variant of K2, even if they have both. So I've gone to a straight K2 supplement with 100% MK4, and you can look that up, but I take one of those for every 10,000 I use of vitamin D. What this does is it moves the calcium out of your blood, that the D3 moves into your blood, back into your bones. The next thing is you need magnesium. Those are the things you need. If you're taking high dose of D3, you need magnesium as well so the body can access the D3. So that's what you should be taking, in my opinion. And this is not a prescription. I'm not a doctor. I don't play one on TV. I'm not making any health claims to cover my ass here. But my understanding, and now having had this reviewed by multiple doctors, all my research reviewed by multiple doctors, two who are infectious disease specialists, on record saying there's no reason this shouldn't work and it shouldn't hurt. There is some tepidation around the vitamin D, but I'm going to tell you that's because of the programming doctors receive in medical school. I invite you to do your own research. Here's the books I think you should read in order that you should read them. The optimal dose, number one. Then the miraculous results of extremely high dose of the sunshine hormone, because vitamin D is not even a vitamin. It's a hormone. Okay? And the last one, sounds a little scary, how not to die with true high dose vitamin D therapy. If you go down this path, you'll figure it out for yourself. 
and you should never be taking elevated amounts of vitamin D without regular testing of your D blood levels. The good news is you can do this from home. They'll send you a little thing in the mail. You prick your finger, send it in, and in a week or less, you'll get your results back. So you should keep an eye on your vitamin D blood levels if you're doing this. But this is what I do. If you're doing this, I think that your odds of having a bad time with COVID go down. I think that. I don't know that. I'm not claiming that. That's my opinion, my honest opinion as a layman. And again, here's one example of this regime and being vetted. A listener in this audience has a father who's been an infectious disease specialist for 30 years. He said, hey, you should listen to this guy. He said, I don't need to listen to a podcaster. The guy said, hey, if he's wrong, he'll admit that he's wrong. You can explain why he's wrong. So the guy listens to it, and the next day went out and bought everything for his family, for his entire family, and said, there's no reason this shouldn't work. There you go. That's what I would do to protect myself and my family. Um, I do have an audience member that wrote in, uh, who's tested positive for COVID that's on my regime. So I emailed him back. This is about a week ago. I got an email from him, said he had tested positive. He had nothing, no, no symptoms or whatever. So he wrote me back today. I said, any updates? Cause I'm going to talk about this. He said, my wife tested positive a couple days later. 16 year old daughter is still being testing negative. Uh, we're both basically symptom free. I had a minor stuffy nose. She had a very minor cough. Uh, the Arkansas Health Department informed us to stay quarantined and couldn't resist saying they had the authority to make us do it. Okay. So basically, this doesn't prove anything, but it is pretty interesting uh, that this couple, both taking our prescription, I guess you'd call it that, or our recommendation here uh, of nutritional support, has had no symptoms. Now, the reason it proves nothing Okay, it's very important that I say this. Most people do this anyway, but you wouldn't know it if you listened to the media. I want you to really remember all this in the next couple, three weeks, because it's going to get stupid. It really is. Next up, I'm going to go quick on this one, because it's really actually pretty easy. Uh, I had somebody email me and say that they're having a problem with deep freezer, and it's specific to the circuit that the deep freezer's on. I have a chest freezer and an extra fridge in the garage where only GFC, uh, GFCI outlets are available. I don't really have a better spot to keep them. Twice I've nearly lost hundreds of dollars in preps when the GFI, GFCI popped. Luckily we found it when things had only partially thawed. I've been looking for some sort of Wi-Fi GFCI monitor that can text me in the event of an, inter of an interior but I haven't found anything yet. I've also heard that I can just hire an electrician to put a non-GFI outlet. What would Jack do, Matt? Okay, so um, if you have GFI-protected circuits, they're there for a reason. And anything that's outside specifically needs to, or in a wet area like a bathroom, possibly a garage, needs to be on a GFI circuit. Because this is the case, it is often that your outlets in your garage are on the same circuit that your exterior outlets are or a bathroom outlet since they're going to have to GFI it anyway. Why not just use that so that you see what I'm saying? It reduces the total number of GFI outlets. If anybody's not familiar with what 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 a GFCI is, those are the little outlets with a little button on them and if something has a button pops out and uh, kills the whole power of the whole circuit. It keeps you from, like, dying if you drop something in water, supposedly. Um, and they are useful. Now, I will point out 
that for almost a hundred years of being an electrical society, they didn't exist. Most houses didn't have them, and generally no one tended to die because uh, they weren't there. But, yeah, I mean, radio in a bathtub to, to kill somebody, that's the kind of thing that one of the types of things this can help prevent. So it's probably not a good idea to remove GFI outlets, and it may in fact cause like things like, you know, if there's a fire that's related to it, your insurance company did not pay you because you've taken your house out of code. So it is possible that a solution would be most of the time in most modern houses, your electrical panel is in your garage. So running a new circuit, dedicated circuit, to your freezer or your refrigerator freezer area would probably not be very expensive, probably well under a thousand bucks, and then the problem is gone, sort of. Okay. Uh, so that is something that you you want to look at, like uh, potentially doing that, because it's going to reduce the probability of this happening. Number two. I think if you have deep freezers, especially out in a garage where we can forget to check, then you really should have an alarm system where you have these little monitors that go inside there and say, hey, it's the right temperature. And then there's a base station where it trips an alarm and says, hey, hey, we've got a problem over here. And so what that's going to do is that's going to tell us that the temperature in the freezer is too high. And I have one I recommend. It's called the WS10 Weather Monitor. It comes with three transmitters and one base station. And you can buy more transmitters, so you can have up to eight that are attached to this thing. Um, there is some distance limitations, and also it's still something that you have to be aware of. But it will go off and make a noise and tell you, hey, there's a problem. I like this. I think everybody using deep freezers should use it or one similar to it. It's about 50 bucks, And it's, I mean, I lost a freezer once, and it is a horrible experience, especially if you don't know for quite a while that you've lost it. In this case, the freezer itself died. The circuit didn't die. This is, to me, the limitation with these alarms. It takes longer than you would like before this alarm goes off if the problem isn't that the freezer failed, but rather the power failed. You don't need a GFI alarm. You just need a power alarm. These are readily available. I have one that you can take a look at. But basically, I found you one that will send you a text message. Your power's off. I think this makes a lot of sense, too, on any circuit that is critical that you need to know if it's failed. So this would tell you, hey, the power off of the house or the power's just off to this. Anything that kills power to the outlet you plug this into, it will trigger and it will send you an alert. Power's off. I recommend this. And this would fix your GFI problem. A cold. You'd know. The power's off, right? What it isn't going to fix is what if that freezer dies? So you, you kind of want both in place, if that makes sense. Um, and if you can afford and if it does make sense to have a circuit, and if you can find a, like you might find an electrician that says, like, I, I can't, it's, it's technically exterior and I, I won't put a non GFI outlet in. Check on that. I'll also tell you this. And I've had electricians tell me this is not true. And Bill, shit, it is true. And I don't know where you got your electrician's license, possibly from a box of Pop Tarts if you do not agree with me on this. The more times a GFI outlet trips, the more subject to being 
oversensitive and tripping it becomes. Now, if this is one or two times, it's not a big deal. But I've had outlets that got tripped multiple times, and then we get to the point where, like, if you breathe on it hard, it'd trip. And it makes it, and it gets hard to reset. So, if nothing else, you may want to have at least these GFI outlets replaced with new ones that's very inexpensive and something that if you're comfortable with doing basic electrical work you can do yourself you you shut the power off to that circuit and you take the old one out and you put the new one in there are also GFIs that are a little more robust and you might talk to an electrician about sourcing those for you I don't think they're generally the ones you can just go down to Home Depot and Lowe's and buy um, so those are all things that you can look at in dealing with this problem. But definitely, if you have a freezer, you want to have redundancy in your alarm system. So you can find those items in the show notes today. Uh, next, there's an article out today uh, from Telegraph.uk. Uh, uh, greener play areas boost immunity in our children. I, I'm not going to go deep into this one. just going to say, why is anybody surprised? Our bodies are designed to live in the natural world not isolated from the natural world. Our immune systems are not something that we either just have or don't have. They're systems that are constantly adapting to our environments. And part of immune boosting may simply be that if a, a play area is a green area, it might get used more. And if it's used more, we're outside more. And if we're outside in the sun more, we're going to have more vitamin D production. Additionally, all the time we spend outside, we don't spend inside. Makes sense? And what have we learned about COVID? That it primarily spreads indoors through aerosols in the air that stay suspended for long periods of time. Which is why you should be, back to our earlier thing about hysteria, you should be more confident than ever that this thing is not the evil that they've made it out to be to scare you with. Because odds are, a shitload more people have had this than they have in their official case number. Like, 20 to 40 times the number. If it's as contagious as they claim, the idea that there's only been like 7 million cases in the United States is stupid on its face. It's stupid on its face. It, it really is. But, you know, going outside is probably a good idea. Spending less time inside, especially crammed in with people you don't know, breathing the same air... It'd be another way to social distance. This idea that we need to be wearing masks when we're outside is beyond stupid. I, like I said, I think there's limited to no effect anyway, especially when you get to aerosols. Because like that's like trying to stop a freaking bee with a chain-link fence. It's more like trying to stop a garden hose with a chain-link fence. It's set on the mist setting. Go, go try that, see how it works. You know, I mean, that's that's really what we're doing with scale here. It's about about right. But um, definitely going outside is probably a good idea. So you can read that article if you want to know more. Next up, Stripe is giving employees a $20,000 bonus, then a pay cut if they'll rework, uh, re, uh, they relocate and work independently. I want to start out with the number $20,000. $20,000 is a very common relocation allowance for employees in this country. Now, I'm not saying that you know your typical person that makes $16 an hour packing boxes that's told you have to move to a new city to work in a new plant gets that. Corporate-level employees that are considered high-value employees 
um, that are hired, let's say. In fact, years ago, this number actually hasn't gone up in a very long time. This number's been around about 25 years of being kind of average. So many, many years ago, I was offered a job to go to work for a company that no longer exists because Fluke Networks bought them out. That's how I ended up there, called Microtest. And I was very aggressively recruited to take over the Northeastern Territory, and I was living in Texas. I eventually did agree to take the job, and one of the things I never even asked for, they offered, was a relocation allowance of $20,000. They also offered a certain number of round-trip plane tickets for my family and some other things to go along, and a, a living allowance until I found a home and some things like that. But the relocation allowance was $20,000. So it's interesting to me. It just kind of like that's one of those pattern recognition things. It just kind of pops out because I'm thinking most of these employees are not people that answer the phone and tell you how to get into your account. These are more active upper end employees being offered this. And in most instances, that $20,000 would kind of be the number that they would be offered if they were moving across the country to, to take a job in a new office, or if they had been recruited and had to relocate to take a job. Just interesting there. It's also very much in line with short-term thinking of the employee versus the long-term thinking of the corporation. If I can pay you $20,000 but cut your salary by $10,000, and if I think you're going to be around for more than two years, I'll do that because I'm ahead. And if I'm also getting other cuts, like every one of these employees that I move out of this building is less of the building I need. Eventually, I can get myself out of the lease, or I can sublet it if there's anybody dumb enough to whatever. Uh, but there's an overhead to keeping an employee in a cubicle or an office that doesn't exist for a remote employee. So this is a straight economic calculation. But I'm back to, um, they keep talking about this, middle managers or upper managers are concerned that they'll lose employee energy and create, bullshit, 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 bullshit soup. Seriously. No, they're not. That's just the talking points that they put to fluff this shit up. These corporations are getting out of these cities that I've been telling you to get out of. Like, Big time. They are bailing out. Pinterest just ponied up tens of millions of dollars to break a lease. To break a lease. Don't think they didn't figure that out before they did it. Don't think the accountants didn't put the slide rulers and the freaking calculus to it first. They're bailing. They're bailing, and I'm going to tell you this. Most people living in places like San Francisco, Los Angeles, Seattle, these really expensive New York City, These very expensive places to live. If they got a pay cut, and let's say these are these are not people making fifteen dollars an hour. Please understand this. These are people making somewhere between a hundred and two hundred thousand dollars. So let's just say we have an employee making. We'll split that one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year in Los Angeles or San Francisco. It's not a lot of money in Los Angeles or San Francisco. It's a good salary in Dallas Fort Worth. You can live really good on that here. Right? I mean, you can't. You, you should, I mean, really, in this town and all around, look at what a quarter million dollar house looks like. A quarter million dollars in San Francisco is a one-bedroom apartment, basically, or a trailer, if you can find one. A quarter million dollar house in Dallas-Fort Worth is a house. It's a big mansion. It really is. And what, what three or four hundred thousand dollars buy series is ridiculous. 
compared to a lot of the rest of the country. So that person, let's say, is living in California and they're making 150 grand a year. If that pay cut is equivalent to the relocation loss, so they go down to 130, there's no way that they that they don't have more money in their pocket every month moving to just about any mid-sized town in America. They end up ahead. I would take it and I would get out. There is one backdoor ass biter that could come into all of these relocation agreements. What happens when automation and outsourcing kick in, and they will, and all of these people who are making really good salaries living in all these small towns all over America get fired or let go or downsized or however you want to phrase it. I think that's something that comes down the road too, though. So if you're going to take one of these relocation deals, you need to think about what is plan B. Because plan B, when you live in a city with 20 employers just like that, is to go to all 20 of them and see who will hire you. Plan B, when you live in Sheboyganville, is going to be to find one of those employers that will hire you to work remotely. And that may become more and more uber competitive. So that doesn't mean don't do it. It means you need to continue to build up your reputation if you're going to stay an employee for not only someone that's really good at what you do, but it's really good at doing it remotely. And if you can manage remote teams, that is something to beef the hell up, make sure it's on your LinkedIn, all that other shit. All right. Next, the leftist-run cities are in full meltdown now. So everybody's like, well, Jack, you said it was going to be fire and brimstone. Well, it is, especially when Trump most likely wins re-election, which I think is highly likely. And let me give you a real quick explanation of why, in spite of what I'm about to say in my last segment. Police unions would be one example. Police unions have been the bastion of Democrats for 50 years or more. There isn't a single police union that's endorsed Joe Biden. Not one. Not one. They made a big deal that like 200 law enforcement, ex-law enforcement officers wrote a letter or something like that. That's because he has no endorsements. That's something Trump's right about. How many other union types that have always traditionally voted Democrat like what Trump's done from a domestic policy and from a foreign policy standpoint? A lot. That's one example. There is massive enthusiasm in segments of minority communities that traditionally vote Democrat. If a presidential candidate on the Republican side in this country pulls 2 to 4% more of the black vote alone than is typical of a Republican, they win. Those are just, And that could keep going. So I think Trump wins, and then there's this big explosion of violence. And I think that the left is playing for the loss. So if you were a football team and you know you're going to lose your last game and that's going to give you a better draft position, you start thinking about the draft position, baby. You, you, you even take some of your best players and maybe you bench them for that last game. You don't want them hurt going into the offseason. You let that shit happen, and you play for the loss. Think the left is playing for the loss here. Their goal is to convince everybody that it's a shoe-in that Biden's going to win. They put skewed polls out. They oversampled Democrats. Some of the polls I've looked at that say Biden's ahead by seven points or whatever, when you look at them, they've oversampled Democrats by like 15 to 20%. Like It's, it's designed to create this explosion. But there's the bigger reason I've been saying to get out of these cities for years is they're going into economic slumlordism. And there's an article out today you can look at. It's, it's uh, uh, I think it's like 18 pictures. Let me, let me look at it real quick to make sure I say it. 28 photos of Seattle's shocking exploding homeless crisis. It's not ex- shocking 
homeless crisis to me, I think they could probably do a little bit more looking and get some far worse pictures. These cities are going into terminal decline. And some of the stories we talked about today are more in keeping with why you need to get out than riots. You got corporations bailing out, paying tens of millions of dollars to get out of leases, paying employees to relocate and work remotely. What do you think they're going to do? Stay there? Do you really? Do you really think that's a long-term plan? These, And then you've got local governments committed to oblivion. They are literally, they might as well just go ahead. Some of these mayors and shit just burn down their own cities. They might as well just get out there and start lighting shit on fire too. Get out. Now, last thing today. I've been saying since June at least on social media, the closer we get to the election, the more bodies will hit the floor. This includes the Russiagate investigations, what was done to Trump, absolutely, like, you guys might think I'm coming out as a Trump apologist today or something. I'm not. I'm just stating fact. What was done to the Trump administration was wrong, and it was criminal. Donald Trump was never in league or cahoots with Vladimir Putin or the Ukraine or any of that shit, any more than any other government official might be, as far as there's things you have to do to work with foreign governments. That's part of the plan. And over-justification of that is where we're going to go with this in just a second. But this was wrong. This was bad. And there's no doubt that the Biden family is incredibly corrupt. Like, if you don't believe that now, you're about to see yourself in this story that I'm, that I'm covering in just a second. Or my, my litmus test for are you a partisan is, is coming. And you'll see yourself in it whether you want to or not. But I've said all of this will keep coming. Pelosi's son is now deeply linked to Ukrainian oil. And Pelosi actually appeared in a video with him kind of boosting this company, right? And it was all done very openly. It wasn't hidden, but this is all dirty as shit. This is all dirty as shit. This laptop, there's more to this. <clears throat> Two of Hunter Biden's partners in all these dealings, one's in jail and the other one's going to jail. That, that's fact. That's not, well, you know, we're not sure. No, no, that's fact. The one that's already in jail has seen all of this going on and says, oh, oh, you think you got something with that laptop. Let me turn over over 20,000 emails of my emails to you of everything that was going on with this shit since I'm already in jail and got nothing to lose. If you think the worst of the worst in this has come out, you're crazy. I've told my wife, I said this two weeks ago, and it's happened for these two weeks. I said, from here on out, Every single day, there will be another bombshell released. Some of it will be this Ukraine-Biden shit. Some of it's going to have to do with investigations into the, 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 the mishandling of things with the Trump investigations, etc. Some of it's going to have to do with, like, surrogates and, and, and offshoots and this guy's son, too, and whatever. But every day, there'll be something. All the way up to Election Day. Every single day. Now... As I've been saying this on social media, people keep saying, do you think it'll matter? Maybe. I don't know. Because I'm back to this. There's a handful of states and a handful of people in a mushy middle that make the decision every year because of how we elect our president. And those people are subject to being influenced by this. Let me say something to you guys. Whenever I talk about this, especially in social media, I get people, I'm one of those people, and you're really proud of yourself. I have no respect for you. I have no, I have less respect for you 
The person that voted for Obama one time, Trump the next, and now is going to vote for Biden, but also voted for Bush. Like that, I have no respect for you because you have no principles. I, none. And I don't mean like I don't respect you as a human being. Politically, I have no respect for you. I don't vote. I can respect that position, or else I wouldn't have it. But I can respect the person that says, well, I vote because I believe it matters. I disagree, but I still respect your position. You can't come out and vote for a person like Barack Obama one election, and come out and vote for a person like Donald Trump in the next and be true to anything approaching actual solid principles. The people that make those swings do not have solid principles, period. They vote on emotion and feeling, and they are subject to being moved by scandal. But I'll tell you why it may not matter anyway. I don't think that group is very large this time. I think Trump is so polarizing, both people are in camps. Now here's how you know if you're in a camp. When something comes out like the Biden laptop story, and you know, even when you got like shifty shifts saying it's it's Russian misinformation, yeah, Russia planted your kid's laptop at a repair store in Delaware, or your Biden's kid's laptop. Like, you know, what you should do is we should get this laptop and we should pretend it's under Biden's and we'll put it in the in a store and we'll, we'll pay the guy off. Come on, come on, like you know it's true. You notice there's pictures of this kid passed out with a crack pipe in his mouth on this. This is his laptop. We know this. There's two reactions that you can have when you find this out and it affects, quote-unquote, your side. One is the bastards. Wow, I can't believe they did this. That is going to be the vast minority of people. If you have that response, even if you're a swing voter, I now have some political respect for you. Not a lot, because you're still back to, you're, you're voting for someone completely counter to your principles if you mean anything you say, right? But I, I get it. But here's what most people will do, and it doesn't matter wh whether they're right or left in this dichotomy. Son of a bitch. If that's your response, damn it, got caught. Some level of that. Some level of protectionism. Wow. How are we going to get out of this? How do we spin this? Like, I know you're not a spin doctor, so you don't start thinking that way, but you do. And that's what, when people start embracing the idea, well, there's a Hunter Biden laptop is Russian misinformation. They know that's not true. They're justifying it because it is more important that their side win than, than, than the truth be told. And both sides are guilty of it. There's just more media supporting the left, so it's more prominent on the left right now because it's got more to shore it up. And this is why I don't know that it'll matter how many bodies are going to hit the floor, because a lot of bodies are going to hit the floor. I'm telling you, you watch for the next three weeks. Boom, boom, boom. There's probably boom, shakalaka, boom. There's probably one hitting the floor I don't know about right now, because I'm podcasting instead of watching the news. But there'll be one today. There'll be one today that's new. I, you want to bet? Let's go. Put some money down. A couple of y'all owe me some silver dollars already. Where's my money? Could have sworn that I was supposed to get my money, Aline, Ben. Where's my money? Right? Y'all need to send me my silver dollars. Y'all lost. You want to put another bet that there won't be, on average, one a day, new revelations, on the you know, hurting the left all the way up to election, but it may not matter. Because this is what I actually believe about the vast majority of voters. And this is where I said I didn't have respect for you as a swing voter, but if this is what would swing you, in other words, you vote left or right, 99% of the time, 
But if something like this came out, you'd say, I can't support that person. But that's not the typical swing voter. But I, I would respect that. But right now, the majority of voters, if Joe Biden came out and said, you know what, all those pictures of me smelling kids, it's worse than that. I have a whole collection of child pornography at home. I am the pervert they say that I am. And I've been actively funding this stuff. I'm a pedophile. I'll admit it. That's about as low as it goes. The vast majority of people that would vote Democrat would still vote for him. Now, if Donald Trump did the same thing, the vast majority, well, pff, oh, I don't, ah, man, the QAnon people are going to bail, but I mean, uh, and most people would say it's disinformation. There's, there's Something's wrong. He's been forced to say it. They have something on his family like this isn't real. Like no matter what, they would justify sticking with their horse. John Ashcroft, years ago, in an election, I think in Missouri, lost to a man who was dead at the time of the election. If you doubt me, go look it up. He lost to a dead guy. You're like, ah, that's how bad he sucks. No, that's how bad we suck. So they voted for a dead person. Dead was not enough to say, hey, I don't think this guy's qualified anymore. I'll vote for the dead guy. That's where we live. And this is why I don't think democracy is a great source, a great way to run a country. And you guys are like, we're not a democracy, we're a republic. Stop that stupid shit. I've said this before. We don't have a nation anywhere that's a direct democracy. We're a republic. So are 104 other countries. Republics are not magic. We use a democratic process to elect people like that moron from Hawaii. That lady is stupid. I mean, she's certifiably stupid. Her IQ has to be somewhere around like 83. Uh, Irona, or whatever the hell her name is. You know who I mean. The one that was throwing a tantrum during the Kavanaugh hearings. No, 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 it's not fair. The one that asked Comey Barrett if she ever committed sexual assault. That idiot. The one that said that the word sexual preference is a slur against transgendered people. And it's not proper to be used. And now the freaking dictionary is so stupid they're changing the definition. Sexual preference, the word that is on every single EOE statement, we will not discriminate, and, and fair, fair housing statement, it says right there, we will not discriminate based on sexual preference. That is now a slur. A word that, con that tons of people who are of alternative lifestyle use, that's now a slur. This moron is a senator in the United States Senate. People do not understand how powerful senators are. House representatives have nowhere near the power of a senator. They're one in 400 and some votes. A senator is one in a hundred. They're an entire percentage point on a vote on the Senate floor. And a lot of these votes come down to one or two votes. There's a tremendous amount of power in the United States Senate. And we have seen fit to put a person like this moron into an office like this. And I know people say, well, then what's the solution if democracy doesn't work? How about an actual free society? We won't get into that today. Just going to tell you, the bodies are going to continue to hit the floor, and you're going to stand flabbergasted as people justify every bit of it if you're not awake to this shit, if you have not yet seen the Fenords. With that, we have wrapped up another episode. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, uh, I want to remind you, you can help support this show and the work that we do by doing your online shopping at tspaz.com, T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com. Today's item of the day 
the Anchor Power Core 10,000 uh, milliamp hour premium aluminum portable charger. This is the little brother to the big one that I recommend. It is a great tool. It will charge an iPhone about three and a half times from dead to full before it needs to be recharged itself. And it's on sale today for $13, bucks, 12 I did hear something in the Telegram group uh, that I had not thought about, and because I don't own one of these. I own the bigger one that's got a plastic housing. I like aluminum. It's strong, but apparently these little guys don't do well in a locked car in the heat. He had two of them swell up like a balloon. So that's just something to think about. They apparently conduct a lot of heat in a, in a parked car. So think about where you keep this thing. Um, I have not had that problem with the 28,000 milliamp hour big plastic covered one kept in my vehicles. They said he had it in the back of a RAV4 that can get really, really, it's like a greenhouse cooker thing. So I think it has a lot to do with where your vehicle is, how long it's there for, what your climate's like. But do use some consideration. I would say with any battery backup, kept in a car in the heat. Um, I tend to keep my backup stuff in like a go bag or what have you. So that doesn't generally live in my car. It may go in my car, but it comes out. So uh, your mileage may vary. But man, the PowerCore 10,050 premium aluminum portable charger for 13 bucks. It, it was on sale like 20 days ago. It's on sale again, so I brought it back. I got the price alert today. Uh, but you can always help us out by doing your online shopping at tspaz.com. With that, Let's go ahead and wrap things up with our song of the day today. Song of the day today as we kick off Van Halen Week is Where Have All the Good Times Gone? Um, this song was actually originally done in the 60s by the Kinks. And actually, David Lee Roth had a Kinks cover album just in of himself. And uh, uh, Van Halen actually did quite a few Kinks songs as covers. They actually did this one. It was uh, on the band, uh, the album Diver Down. And uh, one of the reasons they did it is between 78 and 82, they had released an album every single year, and they kind of had some burnout. And by doing covers, they didn't have to write as many new songs. So it was kind of like taking a break. But it's a really cool song for today to me. Now, what the song is actually about is... The music industry being taken over by businessmen instead of artists that just want to make a buck. That Instead of really celebrating music, making money. That And this was back in the 60s that this song came out. Uh, and uh, Roth explained that, that it really made a lot of sense to him, that he, he really agreed with that. He said it, uh, it happened to New Wave, it happened to Reggae and Metal and on and on and on. A lot of business people just want to make a buck. And they're becoming craftsmen more than songwriters. That's that's a quote from David Lee Roth, who was lead singer of Van Halen at the time that this album came out. Um, to me, what I like about this song for today, doesn't that feel a lot like, like a theme song for 2020? Where have all the good times gone? And if you are like, Jack, I don't know what you're talking about. My life hasn't changed much. Neither has mine. But hasn't it changed for so many people? It's a good reason to build redundancy in your life. With that, it's been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast.